We are all miracles and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world, and it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. Lights, camera, action. Today, we're going to talk about four reasons you should use video recording in your work. It is going to up-level your practice. It's going to make your job easier. It's going to make you more effective at what you do. If you're a teacher or if you're a speech pathologist, this applies to you. So the first reason is there's a home-to-school bridge. It's estimated that over 90% of families are double-income families. That means there is simply not the time for FaceTime direct parent-to-therapist, parent-to-teacher FaceTime, unfortunately. However, the good news is the research indicates that video works. In fact, it's better to videotape and share a videotape with the parents instead of them in live directly observing a therapy technique. So what I like to do is set up my camera, my laptop, I'll put on my Zoom record within my school district, and then I record our therapy session. After that, I'll clip out that five-minute piece of the therapy technique that I want to underscore. I email that to only the parent and share that only with the parent so that they can see what we're doing in therapy and what I'd like them to focus on at home. I can underscore that one important strategy. So that's number one, how I use the videotape for a home to school bridge. Number two, to research your practice. This is very important. Let me share with you my experience in researching my own practice. So I did research on autism, children's language development about three years ago using audio recording. So what I did is I audio taped the children's language and then I did language sample analysis. Now what happened is many of the words that they said, I did not understand. So I just wrote XXX when I was transcribing it. Despite listening numerous times, I simply could not understand what they were saying. Today, I am doing research currently where I'm looking at my videotapes and I'm doing language sample analysis and I'm understanding so much more. 
And I'm understanding more because I have context, because I have the details. I have what was the activity at the time? What were the toys around at the time? What was the child looking at at the time? So I'm able to understand so much more of their speech. And even more importantly, I'm able to see how they neurodivergently develop speech. What I'm finding is the children with autism have a unique way in which they are developing speech, which is different than their neurotypical peers. It is different than the children with childhood apraxia of speech. It is different than the children with hearing impairment. They are developing speech in a unique manner. And I'm able to see what these unique rules are that they have in their simplified speech because I can see the context. I can see this is what you meant to say. And you said this instead. And this is this rule that you're following. So for instance, there was a boy with a number puzzle, right? And he was saying numbers one through five. In all of them, he was centralizing the vowel and saying, uh, for all of the numbers. So one was un, ta, un, ta. And then three was the, 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 So all of the vowels were us. Now, why is that a big deal? Why did I not? So if I was listening to that audio tape, I would have gone XXX, 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 XXX. I have no idea what this child's saying. He said, eh, te, te, he, he, he. however, because I could see he was looking at the numbers one through six, because I could hear the consonants in those words, I could say, this kid is counting to the number six, obviously. Why could I not understand that? Because vowels, according to the research, is how we comprehend others, much more than consonants. In many of our children with autism, centralize their vowels. They say ah uh, instead of the vowel or instead of the diphthong. So that makes them very difficult to understand. So if a child is holding up the number six and they say eh, you're like six, I get it. But when they're holding up the number six and they say sus, that doesn't sound like six. Sus, 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 something suspect, sus. It that's not what we listen for. We listen for the vowels to understand others, not the consonants. When it's in connected speech. So this is why I encourage you to videotape. You're going to pick up things that you wouldn't have picked up. And it's really going to become important when the child's neurodivergent. So for instance, some people are like, Kelly, this child does not talk. Like Kelly's like. What is she saying? This child on average is saying, you know, 10 different words, 20 different words a session. I never hear this child talk, Kelly. And then I can show them the videotape and I can say, look, when there's when they're counting, you're going to hear all of the vowels are uh. So you can see whenever they say words, if they want more, they say ma. So whenever they say words, if they're saying by, it's but. Everything is going to be uh instead of the vowel. So when you're listening to them in the classroom, listen for that and think that the uh is the, what, what the vowel could be instead. Okay, so pay attention to their consonants and the context and interpret it and respond to it. Because if these children's speech is not responded to, if it's ignored, it's going to become extinct. They're going to stop talking. No one responds to it. So this is why this is such important work that we're doing using the videotape in this research instead of the audio. 
it's really brought about this appreciation for qualitative research and why qualitative research is so important because you're going to miss the details. And in the details are the answers. So when I did a recent podcast about these 10 unique rules that the children with autism are following in their speech, if you know those rules, right, then you can respond. Then these words are responded to. Then they're going to talk more instead of less. This is a game changer. So what I'm finding in the research that I'm doing on these children with autism is numbers matter. I mean, this is going to be very interesting when it comes to the numbers, because I feel like what I'm seeing in my own research is when children have less than five word approximations, the research is not looking good in the school year within a year, whether or not their speech is going to develop dramatically or if it's going to stagnate. There is something about the numbers, the number of different words. The number of different words matters. That's what my research is showing me so far. But just as importantly is what the details, what are they doing when they want to say X and they're saying Y instead? What is that rule that they have? Because they have their own rules that they follow. And if you know the rules, you can comprehend them. If you know the rules of their speech, you're able to respond to their speech. If you know the rules to their speech, you're able to teach parents, and you're able to teach other professionals what those rules are so that they too can respond. This is a game changer too. So this was a really good example to me doing the research of language sampling analysis without videotape and with videotape and just how important qualitative research is if we're going to make strides in the field of autism speech development. Okay, so number three. Now this is with parent consent because all of these other examples I'm giving to you is between the only one who sees the video is you and the parent. When I'm doing my research and my language sample analysis, it's me who's spending her summers analyzing those language samples, which are so important, by the way. And it's me that's that's analyzing those language samples. And every, and every year I'm like, I'm never, ever going to do this again. But every year I'm like, this is where the treasure lies. This is where the answers lie. We want to help these children with autism. We have to pay attention to what they're doing. Pay attention to the children with autism as they develop speech. That's where the answers are going to lie. When it goes beyond that, and you're going to have someone else view the videotapes, we need to get written parent consent. So I do share my videotapes with other professionals with written parent consent so that I can get better, so that I can see someone's eyes on my work that has a different background, a different skill, a different superpower, and add that to my toolbox. So for instance, this year I am getting my LAMP certification. So I'm having an AAC expert give me feedback on my digital clips. And you better believe I'm there writing notes on everything she says and trying that and putting that into practice. All feedback is good feedback. I'm also getting feedback from occupational therapists or physical therapists in my movement activities. And how can I make these richer? Am I doing something wrong when they W sit? How do I get them out of a W sit without me putting my hands on them and moving their legs so they're not W sitting, so they're actually getting into the position themselves? How can I treat the whole child? 
I could get feedback from the classroom teacher. So I can share my video clips with other professionals and I can ask them, what else could I do to make this a more educationally rich learning experience? For number four, our final reason why I'm saying why you should video record your work, it's really going to up-level your practice, is for educational purposes. For instance, tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, I'm taping this Wednesday night for tomorrow's podcast. So I am going to be presenting to the Texas Speech Pathologist. It's a two-day presentation. It's going to be so great. In that presentation, I'm using 10 digital clips from my book. Of course, when I'm using clips of children for educational purposes, I have the parent permission. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a video is worth a million words. And I could tell them, this is how you do this literacy technique, and this is how you do this AAC technique, and this is how you do the speech technique, and this is how you do the language technique. Or I could tell them and show them in video, here's the million words in less than one minute, you're going to see it. So video is amazing for educational purposes. And the research is behind that. They find that college students learn more quickly when they're shown video. They also find that employees learn more quickly from employers when they're shown video. Parents learn techniques quickly when they're shown new video. So video really, really works. So that's what I love about my book. I don't know if you've seen this book before. This is my speech sound disorders book. And this book has over 100 video clips in it. So each video clip that I picked perfectly illustrates the research that I talk about in the book. So this is the research. And here's a video clip to show you what it looks like in practice. So video clips, use them for educational purposes. Now, beyond that, you're creating tutorials. So I told you in the last episode, I start with broad-based devices from day one, as soon as I can get them from our county, which is quickly as possible, we're trying out software, broad-based software. I need to be able to show the parents how to use this device. They might know how to use a Mac or a PC. This is not a Mac or a PC. So this is my goal for the next school year. I am going to develop a library of tutorials. And in that library of tutorials, I'm going to show parents, this is how you use your device at home. This is how you use your device throughout your routine day. This is how you use your device out on the town. This is how you use your low-tech device. This is how you use your high-tech device. So there's, I can create a video library. And then when I have a parent, because I have 50 kids on my caseload every year, right? What I'm going to do is just email them the link. They're going to get the link from the video and they're going to know exactly what that strategy is. And they're going to be able to see it in five minutes at nine o'clock at night before they watch their Netflix, because these kids are sleeping now. <laughs> I watch the TVMA, but only when my son is asleep. About the video, that's a way of cloning yourself. You do it once, you're once and done. You have in your Google library, your tutorial for getting started, your tutorial for using the broad-based device on multiple pages, your tutorial for using the core card and hanging it up across your house. So you have a tutorial for all of the basics and it just takes you a second or two to go to your library, copy the link and send it to the parent because that's where that child is in that moment in time. 
That is for the next school year, what I'm going to work on and focus my efforts on expanding. What are you going to do this next school year? How are you going to up-level your practice by including video recording? Now, remember that, yes, HIPAA laws, HIPAA standards, when I use video, it's only for myself and it's for the parent. So that's the only people who see the video as myself and the parent. If it's not the case, make sure to get explicit consent from the parent of who is going to see this and for what reason is this going to be used. So that's gonna become very important. So I want you to take all of this information and this week we talked about video, four ways you can use video. Number one, video clip your therapy and show for home to school practice or even home to the classroom practice. When I send out my videotapes to home, I also CC my fellow therapists and I CC the teacher so they too can be apprised of what's going on and pull out therapy. Number two, research your practice. There's nothing like getting that 10,000 foot bird's eye objective perspective of what you're doing in therapy. You're going to see things that you're missing that are really, really important. There's treasures in the details, and you're not going to be able to pay attention to those details in the moment-to-moment interactions when you have a lot going on. Research your practice and look at your therapy, analyze your therapy closely. You're going to make some huge, important discoveries. Number three, make sure to get parent consent if anyone aside from you and the parent are going to be seeing this video. However, it's very helpful to get cognitive diversity. Someone with a different mindset, having their eyes on your therapy and giving their views and what you could be doing differently. Number four, for educational purposes, create a video library. It could just be you talking to the camera, explaining how to do activities at home, explaining how to use the AAC device, explaining queuing methods that you use that are effective. Create your video library so you can clone yourself and simply copy and paste the link and email it to parents when necessary. So thank you so much for joining me this week. If you haven't gotten my book yet, make sure to get, I have two books now. This one, Speech Sound Disorders, if you are interested in the videos and using the videos to learn more, this has over 120 videos actually in it, and they're amazing. And if you're interested in working with kids with autism and you're interested in changing lives, check out my book, 32 Lessons That Create Lifelong Change in Autism Intervention. So every Monday through Friday on social media, I have been reading a chapter from this book. So join me live on your favorite network. So if you're a YouTuber, Go on to YouTube on YouTube Live. If you're LinkedIn, I'll see you at LinkedIn. If you are on Facebook, join me in my Facebook group, the Preschool SLP, Kelly Vess SLP. If you're on Instagram, I'll see you there. Go to your favorite spot and join me. I also, I don't want you to get too excited about this. I like to share one of my unique health hacks. If you're listening tonight, you missed my healthy chocolate mousse recipe. I think it's deliciousness. So I'd love to hear what you think. It's on YouTube or my Facebook group, group, my daily health hacks. I cut that out for the Instagram replay. Take all of this information, roll up your sleeves and make the world a better place one child at a time. You're always going to be first. (laughs) 